welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is interior designer Dwayne Bergman. That's Bergman with two N's. There are so many interior designers who I've yet to discover, and Dwayne was one of them. I didn't know about him before March 2020 until a long flat package arrived in the mail. I opened it and discovered an impressive, softbound 16 by 11 inch brand book. Its deep gray cover embossed in glossy white with Dwayne Bergman interiors. This is how he introduced himself to me, and I told him, Dwayne, you had me at brand book. Dwayne launched his firm in 2013 in Fort Myers, Florida, and is getting ready to open a new design showroom in Naples, where he will be able to dazzle visitors with his high-end, artful, coastal style and his furniture and custom cabinetry designs. COVID has delayed the opening, but Dwayne doesn't mind the delay at all. In fact, he says now it'll be 100% exactly the way he wants it. Looking back on his earlier years, from his small-town upbringing filled with riding horses, to the lessons gleaned from his parents' construction company, to equestrian competitions and exposure to that milieu, to his previous career at Home Depot consulting on large commercial projects, Duane is grateful for having developed the skills that came naturally and that were nurtured, that now enable him to transform lifestyles, be fully expressed, and feel like he is exactly in the right place. In addition to the obvious design-focused steps that mark Dwayne's career and his ability to execute, he says what has also contributed to his success has been participation in his community and his history of philanthropic work, which enabled future clients to see him in a way that built trust and also spoke to his integrity. As many of you have grown accustomed, whenever possible, I like to find a friend or colleague of my guest who can tell us something special about said guest, to disclose those sorts of things that aren't found on one's about page. For Dwayne's testimonial, so to speak, I reached out to Rachel Pierce. Rachel was a Fort Myers news anchor for 17 years and retired recently to pursue a career in fine art. Where once she may have reported on Dwayne's news, today she's painting large-scale coastal compositions that might figure into one of his projects. Rachel could not be happier to tell us about her friend, Dwayne. Here's what she said. Dwayne Bergman, I have the privilege of calling him my friend. He is, as we all know, this amazing designer. But what you may not know is that he's a phenomenal cook or or a chef, I should say, because what he whips up, you can't even get this quality in restaurants. For the 4th of July, he whipped up eight different kinds of ice creams that we were all eating every single kind because they were so delicious. And uh, we call him the baby whisperer because every baby loves him. My little daughter just turned a year. And when she was just a few months old, she instantly was drawn to him. He just has this 
this calm, cool nature about him. All babies love him. So much so that my own parents are jealous. They're like, how come, how come she doesn't come to us like that? Because you're not Dwayne Bergman. But I so enjoy his friendship. He's so kind. He treats everyone the same. He's so generous with his time and his talents. And I'm so glad that all of you get to hear a little bit about him as well. Thank you, Rachel, for letting us know about Dwayne Bergman, the baby whisperer. I found Dwayne to be refreshingly open, warm, and generous. He's a half-class-full kind of guy who emanates good vibes and is quick to reframe any event in the positive. I loved hearing his perspective on trade shows and PR and visibility, and also how he grew his business. Oh, and for the record, about 13 minutes into the podcast, I realized that I had forgotten to press record. So we did a little cut and paste to repair the chronology, and while our beginning does not start with the usual dial tone and pleasantries, I think overall, you will get to know Dwayne as I did. Happy listening. Dwayne, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Paris, Missouri, a town of just 3,000 people. Absolutely. So... I I grew up in in a rural small town, um, and I, I think you know I, I I at the time I didn't know that I was that different, but I I I liked some of the you know sports and things like that, but I was very very focused on horses. I loved horses. I think my mom said when I was two that's the first word that I said was pony, and I always wanted horses. Um, and and at five I got my first pony and and started riding. Um, and at the same time I was, I, I could draw and I, uh, was crafty and I learned how, how to decorate cakes. Um, you know, when I was in second, third grade, I made a five tier wedding cake when I was in fourth grade. So like, who, wow. who does that? It's, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> So I think he was getting married. (laughs) Yes. My cousin was getting married and I made their way. My, my mom made the cake and I decorated it. So it was, it was funny. My, my mom was a, was an amazing baker and, um, her, her clients, after they saw some of my designs, they would ask her to make the cake, but they would say, would you mind if your son would decorate the cake for us? And so she's like, okay, well, obviously I'm not good enough anymore. So please take over the decorating portion of, of this business. Um, so, you know, I would, I would do that, but I, you know, I, I spent my, my days on horseback and, you know, riding my horses and it was just an amazing opportunity as a kid to, um, just to be imaginative and to allow myself the opportunity uh, to, you know, to ride through our farm and to ride, you know, in different areas around our small town and just be in a totally different world. I mean, I, 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 I don't know where I was half the time, but I was, you know, I was off in some, you know, amazing imagination, you know, imaginary environment. So there was always like this little movie script, I think, running through, running through the back of my head. Your family owned a custom home building company. Tell us about that. What I find interesting about my background is that, you know, my family so pushed me away from the construction industry. I think as, you know, lots of families do, they, you know, they, they pushed um, getting an education and, you know, um, not a blue collar type of career. Um, and, 
I, you know, come coming full circle though. I mean, it is that experience that I had, you know, being the gopher for them in the summers and, you know, learning how to, um, you know, to nail a roof in and to do framing, um, uh, and, you know, to help my uncle with some finished carpentry work, all of that, all of, all of the association and that experience, it gives me a, a baseline where I truly understand the process. And it has been invaluable, you know, to jumpstart, you know, my entire career and um, just having having this common sense level of of knowledge is something that, you know, I will forever be grateful that I was exposed to growing up. Right, right. When did you know that um, you were kind of you were done with the equestrian lifestyle? When did you move on and go back to school? Um, in, I was at 21. So 1998, um, after, uh, the winning the second world championship, um, I knew at that point, I, I really love the animals. Um, and I love horses so much that I just couldn't see myself in this profession. So unfortunately, like, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, sports um there there are sacrifices that you have to make and the same thing with the you know with the horses i mean they're pushed and pushed and pushed mm-hmm. um and i just decided that you know i would prefer to love my horses um just as they are and whether they were you know competing at the national level or whether we were just hacking around, you know, in, in the back, uh, you know, in the back acreage, that that was completely fine with me. Um, and that's when I decided, you know, this, this is not something that I want to have as a profession. I just don't ever want to lose my love for, you know, for the horses. And I, I don't want this to just be all about competing. Mm-hmm. And I could see that, that, you know, that that was a, there's a really fine line there. And, um, I think as a professional, you, you know, you need to make a living and if people send you, you know, if they send you a horse that they want to be at a certain level, you're, you're required to, you know, to push that animal as hard as you can to try to get it there. Um, and at the end of the day, I just wasn't comfortable doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, day in and day out. Wow. Um, and then you went back to school and you, you, uh, majored in business and then you went on to get an MBA. I did, yes. So yeah. the very traditional role of becoming an interior designer. <laughs> no, but always a good <laughs> a good um, thing to have when you do become an interior designer, right? Um, Absolutely. So when did you? Um, so what happened between earning your business degrees and opening your own firm in 2013? What went on? Yeah. Again, I, I almost. I mean, I always feel like this is was destined to be because out of all of the companies. Uh, that could, um, you know, that, that I could have worked for and, and could have been recruited by, I was recruited specifically by the Home Depot to work in a, um, a product that they had called the, the, um, the Home Depot Expos. Mm -hmm. And, um, the Expos were actually a very high end, um, design center for, for all intents and purposes. They were, too big, which is why they ultimately failed and and were shut down. But they showed only special order product. Most of it was internationally sourced, um, and it was it was eye opening for 
you know, a lot of individuals to be able to walk in and see these beautiful displays of, you know, gorgeous bathrooms with European fittings, um, tile displays and kitchen displays, um, and, you know, and, and other decorative lighting and wall features that you just, you know, you, you just couldn't see on a regular basis because we, d- we didn't have, you know, some of the, the beautiful high-end showrooms, um, we're we're just we're we're so trade guarded mm-hmm. that you know you couldn't walk in off of the street and see this type of, of product. So I was recruited to to work in that in that specific part of the um, the Home Depot, and um, it was it was really interesting. So we 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 did an analysis, you know, on the setups. Um, we made some tweaks. We did some analysis on um, the service proposition, and and ultimately um, our team proposed that they, you know, that they shut them down because they, they just didn't want to make the required adjustments to their business model for it to be successful. Um, and at the same time, the Home Depot is going through a lot of other transitions. And um, Bob Nardelli, the CEO at the time, had acquired a very large uh, portion of the wholesale trade industry businesses in the electrical field, so electrical and lighting, um, plumbing, um, building materials, um, uh, cabinetry and flooring materials. So a company called Creative Touch Interiors. So I, um, when they decided, when kind of Wall Street said, "Hey, you need to sell the wholesale side of your division," which was 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 substantial um, uh, in order to focus on the retail side, I went with the wholesale side of the division called, and it was spun off called HD Supply. So at HD Supply, I I. I was exposed to um, major projects uh, where I got to be involved with several aspects of supplying materials. And, you know, we weren't doing the um, direct or initial design work, but we were certainly value engineering everything, you know, coming from it. So it was it was really cool for me because I would see these incredible plans come through and then we would essentially get to rework the plans to fit the client's budgets. Um, and with the product lines that we had. In addition, there were some really uh, large uh, builders. So think DR Horton, uh, Pulte, Taylor Morris, some of those um, larger production builders that would come to us and say, hey, we're going to build 800, you know, 800 home sites in this community. We want a price point of 400, 600, $800,000. Mm-hmm. You know, please choose all of the finishes um, that will meet those budgets, set up our design centers and, you know, basically, you know, put it all together. So we would do that as well. Um, so it was great experience for me. Um, I ran a very large team. I had uh, one part of my tenure there. I had sales and operations um, uh, management over about $120 million, a $120 million budget a year. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, again, great um Great exposure. And I was given amazing leadership training uh, while I was there. So I was put through, I think, every leadership course imaginable um, and, uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of education on that side. So it was incredible. So, the in, you know, this entire time I'm, I'm sort of working on the um, the peripheral side of design focused on very large scale projects like the W hotels and Nikki beach um, and, and these large, these other large developments. And at the same time, um, really getting a, a, um, 
a leadership skill skill set developed, as well as a whole product knowledge and a wholesale understanding of of where products are being manufactured and vendor relationships. And so, you know, put it all together, and I have this construction uh, experience from my family growing up. I have a lot of product knowledge and design exposure. The entire time I've been, you know, working and flipping my own houses, um, and it just sort of culminated into this drive that I, I was like, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm very close to doing what I'm passionate about, but I just need to take the leap and, um, and go for this. And, um, I, you know, I didn't even reach out to any other design firms and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to do an apprenticeship or something like that. Right. I, I as I had done enough of my own homes, and in 2010, my one of my personal homes that I did, we had, we my husband and I are very involved in um, philanthropy and and uh, several charity organizations, and we would host several parties and and fundraisers at our home, and um, you know I wasn't really exposed to the um, you know the editorial coverage of homes and things like that at that juncture. It just wasn't something that you know, I had, I, I was in tune with at the time and we had a, we had a party and someone came up to me and said, you know, um, my friend is the editor for this magazine. And I really think they should see your home because this should be in a magazine. I was like, Oh, that's so funny. You're so nice. You know, that's very complimentary. Well, like a week later, I get this phone call from this editor and he said, you know, we're, we're, we're putting, um, an annual magazine together that sits, you know, sits on the, on the newsstands, you know, for 12 months and we're looking for unique homes. And, you know, we've really had a hard time finding, you know, the, the, the homes that we're looking for. Um, we heard about your home. Could we take a look? And so I'm like, sure, whatever. So, you know, they, they came and he's like, yeah, we absolutely have to shoot this. So, um, it did, a, I think it was about a 10 page spread. What on was that for? I have a question, Dwayne. Wait, when sure. you were with, um, HD supply, where were you living? Sounds like Florida okay. already. So I was, yes, I was living it. So I moved to Florida in 1997, um, uh, from Missouri to Ocala where we had a horse farm and, um, from there, I attended the university, graduated my MBA from the University of Florida. I'm in Gainesville. Um, and then I had met an individual who lived in Southwest Florida. And that's how I sort of matriculated to Southwest Florida. So I had a home um, in Fort Myers, but I was working um, out of Atlanta, um, Orlando, and then LA during this period of time. So I basically would... I would fly out on Monday and I would say my apartment in Atlanta or um, an apartment in LA and fly back on Thursday or Friday. So I did that for about seven years. Wow. I racked up quite a, quite a little bit of, of air, air, um, air time, um, traveling. So my, you know, my home base was here. Um, and at that point I had met my, I met my husband, Lewis, and, and we, we had gotten married and he owns a, um, he owns a law practice here, so he was fairly established in in the in the in Southwest Florida. So it was easy for me to travel, and you know, decided to to go ahead and and um, and stay here. Right. But I wasn't very involved with you know we were we did we did some philanthropy and some charitable work, but I wasn't necessarily involved from a like living in the community and knowing what the community style was like and things like that. Um, so, so I, I kind of designed my house 
based off of, you know, my travels and our own, you know, our own um, interest, um, which made it, you know, very different, I think, for this marketplace. So um, the magazine was at home um, by Gulf Shore Life, and they they did a beautiful coverage. And, and that sort of, I think, gave me the confidence that, okay, because um, I started getting some phone calls, you know, um, who designed your house? And it's like, oh, I designed it. I did the, you know, I did the drawings, I did um, the selections. And, um, I think that started the thoughts to enter into my head that, wow, I mean, there is an industry out there, um, that could support, um, you know, that, that, that could be very interesting that could support a lifestyle and, uh, that actually it's, it's a career, um, doing what, you know, I love to do. So I think I started exploring it then. It took me a couple of years to fully um, gain the confidence. And that was, it was, it was all of that. It was definitely confidence. It wasn't a lack of interest or a lack of passion. It was more of, you know, I knew I was very good at my corporate life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you get sucked in, you you, you make a really good living. They have all these perks and benefits and, um, there are always, you know, there's always the next role that's dangling in front of you. Um, but I, you know, the best thing I ever did was to, um, you know, to take that leap of faith and I could not be more happier than I, than I am today with making that decision. It's, it's so interesting how, you know, even before you started your, your business officially, you, you already got press, you know, like everybody's like, how do I get press? How do I get press? But you, you got it before. Um, when you did, when you did open up in 2013, um, how did you officially start marketing yourself and finding clients? Um, or has it always been sort of word of mouth? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I am very fortunate to be blessed with, um, I think a, 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 a referral base. Um, and I, I can attest to the, you know, the one thing is, I think with design, when you present a very passionate um, and some something that's innate when you when you when you're presenting uh, a a design plan that you feel like you absolutely have an emotional connection with it, uh, people people see that. they recognize it. and um, it's not, you know, it's not about a job. It's not about a commission. It's not about, you know, getting a feather in your cap. It's really about connecting with the client at a design level and delivering something that, you know, when you walk into you, you have this visceral reaction to, um, and it, and, it, and it's not always just the, the, the color tone or, um, a piece of art or something. A lot of times it's, the transformation of a lifestyle that you see your clients move from a, you know, one way of living to a new way of living and the way that it impacts them and it affects them. And I, I get a lot of pleasure from that. So what, what happened with my business is those connections create quite frankly, raving fans. And, you know, they would just say, look, you, you have to call him. Um, you know, you're not going to have the same experience anywhere else. And, um, I mean, I had, I think I had eight projects within three months of, of opening. It was just crazy. I was like, I, I can't believe I have this much work. Did you Um, have to hire quickly? I did. (laughs) 
I did. So I had an assistant when I started. I knew I needed an assistant. I was like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I know my limitations and I knew I needed to have someone that would help keep me organized. Um, so I, I immediately, when I launched, I hired an assistant. Within a month, I hired a, a furniture specialist um, because I also knew that I didn't know um, enough about fabrics and um, cushions and, you know, the interiors of, of, uh, of furnishing, furnishings pieces and all the finish options that were available. And I didn't want to mess that up. I mean, they're, they're expensive purchases. So I hired, um, I hired my rep that had worked for one of my furniture uh, companies that I was using. And she'd always provided an amazing service and I loved her style and taste. So I hired her, um, a month later. So this is like from June to July, I had hired, I had my second hire. Um, in August, I hired a full-time CAD designer. And by the end of that year, I had two more designers um, on staff. And by February of 2014, I had hired... Um, who's now my my COO, but uh, at the time she was my office manager and manager of operations. Um, and we were just really very blessed to, you know, to have that type of volume of business right out of the gates. Um, and and I, I associated with two things, definitely uh, referrals. And the second is I was active from a philanthropical and charity side with our community. So even though I wasn't out and about on the you know the day-to-day social life we were very involved from that perspective so people i mean they also knew knew who i was from an integrity perspective um and a trustworthy perspective and you know that we they they, they knew that i cared about our community and cared about you know what i what i did and the, the the projects that i was involved with so i think there was it was easier for people to have like an immediate level of trust i think that's a big hurdle for designers to um, you know, before they get published, um, and before they maybe have a showroom or, you know, a place of business that says, look, I'm here, um, and you can trust me kind of thing. Um, so I, I, that was, that was very important to me as well. And so I always encourage, you know, young designers that come in here to go get involved. Like it doesn't cost anything to volunteer to a charity. Like it costs you nothing but time, effort, and, you know, a little ingenuity. Yeah. Did you, um, when you settled in Fort Myers, had you any idea that that part of Florida would be like bursting at the seams with construction and, and design? I mean, it's, it's its own like incredible place, right? It it is. It definitely is. I mean, and I did watch, I mean, I sort of watched the market a little bit when I timed my departure and, um, and, and that, that there was some strategy behind that. Um, I will tell you that some of my colleagues that that work in, in Naples and Fort Myers, they um, have since told me they were like, we saw we saw, you know, um, we knew we knew, they'd heard a little bit about me because of, you know, of my house being published. Um, and then some of the bigger, um, you know, higher and commercial projects that I'd worked on at HD Supply. But I mean, it was all peripheral. So when they um, heard that, you know, I was launching this luxury design firm in Fort Myers. A couple of them have now told me they're like, we can't believe you, you know, you opened in Fort Myers. You, you know, you know, we couldn't believe that you weren't opening in Naples, um, and that you were you were trying to make it in Fort Myers because several of them have moved, you know, moved out of Fort Myers and only service the Naples market now. And um, 
You know, I took the approach that, you know, my husband's office was here. We were very involved in this in this community. And if I could, you know, if I could make it here, um, you know, moving into Naples and then possibly, you know, in the future into Sarasota would 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 be a, a very simple task uh, to do. Yeah, I mean, and, you're you're equidistant. And the, in these days anyway, I mean, every, you know, mm-hmm. um, physical <laughs> locations have in COVID times have kind of even become less important. Right. I mean, absolutely. You know, you could be working anywhere in the world and you do work, you know, beyond Florida, too. So. But, yeah, it's a it's I mean, Fort Myers is in between Naples and Sarasota and Tampa and that whole beautiful area. I never get to that. I lived in in southeast Florida for 17 years and I got over to the West Coast several times, but never enough. I really like it there. Where um, where were you in, in southeast Florida? So I was just south of Boca. Okay. So I um I had an apartment in Delray Beach um when we were working on the W hotels because I didn't want to live in Fort Lauderdale or Miami. So I thought Delray Beach was beautiful. Um Atlantic Avenue right on the water. Um I just loved that little stretch. The street was really pretty. I love Delray. Quaint. Yeah. Yeah. So um I had a nice little studio there, studio apartment. I loved it. Um so Boca Boca that area is nice. Um, I think there's some opportunity still in in that marketplace, but nothing like uh, nothing like the future growth that we have on this on this coast. Yeah. Um, when you opened seven years ago um, from today, you know, is there something that you could look back on and go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Or like, I wish I had known something. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe there's several things, but could you just <laughs> one or two things that you're just like, oh, my God. Can't believe I didn't know that then. Absolutely. So a couple of funny things. So I I literally opened in first the loft of my my house. I had a little loft area, and I had no idea how much product I would need to do this job. So the first rep that called, and I think it was a Kravit rep that said, "Hey, you know, would you like to have some books?" Um, so you, can, I was like, "Oh, sure, bring them over." They dropped all these boxes off. I'm going, oh my goodness, this is one company with all of these samples. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do with all of this. So the second move was into my garage. So we officially went from the loft to the garage, um, and then uh, from the garage into a into a little bit more of a proper um, office environment. Um, but all that was prior to me opening my my showroom right now, and. I literally two two things I had no idea. I had no idea um, all of the samples that that you really need in order to be efficient and effective in this career. And two, the logistics nightmare that follows this industry around. Um, so I, I was not prepared for um, you know the amount of time and energy and effort that it takes to ensure that your products, are not only made the way that you expect them to be made, but delivered um, without, you know, imperfections um, and then delivered to your clients um, home properly as well. So that was, you know, that was a little bit, I think you got so excited about, you know, designing and creating that I forgot a little bit of how difficult it was going to be to get product, you know, from point A to point B. 
needing a warehouse, needing a receiver, you know, needing a delivery company. I mean, all those things that I, I would just like a checklist of about a hundred things before someone opens up their own interior design firm that you need to, you need to have all of these things in place before you sell your first order. Hello, dear listeners. I wanted to take a little break here to relay the good news that planning for our second online designer experience is now underway. So mark your calendars for Thursday, September 24th. The designer experience for those who have never attended is an interior design community gathering with presentations, discussions, and tours that combines practical business advice and exercises with design education and inspiration. Back in the old days, we hosted these two-and-a-half-day forums in person. Today, we deliver the same high-grade content by Zoom, coupled with that DT dose of heart and soul that goes into everything we do. Go to designerstoday.com to the Events tab and click on Designer Experience to learn more. COVID has changed or impacted your life and business. You you have two sons. You have twins. Are you enjoying do you homeschool? Who does that? Oh my goodness. So again, I knowing your um, shortnesses in life, I think are are it's always good to know. And I am not an early education um, professional by any stretch. So we. We did the virtual school um, to finish out the school year, and I have to give major kudos to uh, Lewis, who really brunted the weight of that whole nightmare of a process. None of the school systems were set up to have this large mass of students, you know, go from spring break to immediately all on virtual school. So um, it was very, very challenging. And our our twins during all of this were in kindergarten, so kindergartners. It's, you know, they need the um, the environment. They need the stimulation. Um, and our kids weren't grown up. We, we we really limit their screen time to begin with. So they're not used to sitting in front of a screen. Um, they're used to being active. We we have a very large yard and outdoor space. So when they're home, they're used to being you know outside and doing something and not you know not sitting down watching a computer screen. So it was it was extremely challenging. Um, we moved during the middle of COVID, which I would never suggest, but I had I had put our home on the market because we wanted to we we wanted to move into um, another property that we owned, but we, we were planning a renovation. So we were we we put the house up, up for sale and it sold like literally during the middle of COVID the, the people had looked at it prior to all of the shutdowns. And I was pretty sure that they would back out of the deal, but they, they didn't, they wanted to, they wanted to close, they wanted to move in and it's actually even bumped up a week or so. So we moved out into a townhouse because our new house isn't ready yet. So that was even another layer of, you know, challenges during all of this. Um, so it, it was, it was, um, it was difficult, but you know what? At the same time, I'm extremely grateful and thankful that we do live in Florida uh, because the boys still can swim in the pool every day and they can still go outside and we could still go for bike rides. Um, I can't imagine being, you know, in a major metropolitan area or where it was really cold, where you were confined to, you know, to your house. So 
look, I always look on the positive side. Um, we had lots of, you know, fun bonding time and, um, I did watch as a family. I did watch a video when I was on your website yesterday, I was watching a video with you and Lewis and the, and the boys and oh my goodness, they are funny. (laughs) Yes. They have big personalities. Mm -hmm. You could tell they were being good. I could tell, but they were like dying to not be good or to be a little naughty. (laughs) They keep us on our toes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which we thought we wouldn't have it any other way. For me, COVID um, is, it's, it's just an, awful thing that our our society is having to deal with so i try to look on the brighter side um on the personal side uh we had so many amazing things um happening and momentum was so strong so you know we had uh, we had published our our brand book and you know kind of our internal magazine really introducing the deepest components of you know who we are as a firm so i always look at it as like this is the the interior um pun intended you know the interior um reflection and presentation of this design firm and and i think you know as you read through as you read through the journal i mean you really get that you understand who we are what we believe in what motivates us what drives us um and so we 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 presented that um, I had been working for a couple of years on some you know some really cool designs. Um, we have some you know we have the designs that have been photographed in a in a couple of homes that we've already installed them in, and then the Naples showroom will have all of my designs, not only not only in the cabinetry but my furniture designs as well. So we were really looking to you know, to, to, to burst into the scenes in Naples, um, in 2020 and, and at the same time launch my cabinetry line first, followed by my furniture line next year. And, you know, we, I mean, COVID happened right in the middle of all of this plan. So we released our, our cabinetry launch press release literally the week before <laughs> um, everything was shut down. So timing couldn't be, you know, couldn't have been worse. Our mag, our our our, our magazine and our, our brand book and journal that was all um, sent out again like the week before um, we we were all forced into shutdown. So just a you know a weird sort of time. But I am a true believer that every single thing in my life has happened for a reason, and I'm sure there is a specific reason, you know, for this timing as well. So we will open this fall um i think better than we had ever planned you know for this spring mm-hmm. uh, we have some wonderful activities and events planned um and you know i won't be 90% it'll be 100% exactly the way that i want it you know so you know trying to meet a deadline and a timeline um you know sometimes you're forced to tweak something here or there I won't have to tweak a single thing when we, you know, when we fully open um, the summer and, and present ourselves to the public this fall. So I'm good with it. I, I really don't have any anxiety about it. It's painful paying, you know, paying for a property that isn't open for this long, mm-hmm. but um, we're fortunate to be able to, you know, to have made good, you know, good business decisions along the way so we can, um we can, we, we're fine and, and able to push forward. Uh, but 
the closer that we get, you know, as my cabinetry, my cabinetry just shipped last week um, uh, for installation uh, over the next two weeks. And the closer I get to it, the more anxious I'm getting. And, you know, because I, I really do want to share this with the world and um, kind of show them a little bit of, you know, my interesting take on kind of a quirky um, coastal design element. So I'm very, very, very excited about about the showroom. Um question now that you've mentioned your brand book magazine journal you've called it a different names this fabulous <laughs> this fabulous um book that i got so um how many copies did you print and and this is quite an investment as i've described it you know it's a beautiful book um how many copies have you made and who do you send them to yeah it, it was expensive um we made 2000 copies which is which is quite a few considering mm-hmm. the substance of the book. So we um, first, we wanted to reiterate to all of our clients, you know, some of the beautiful work that they've been a part of. So um, my client base all received uh, a copy. Um, our contractor base and referral base um, that's out there all received copies. Um, we, uh, we reached out to um, through our my my publicist and her her agency. She sent out about a hundred copies to you know to various industry uh, professionals uh, such as yourself. Um, we have uh, vendors that you know we've we've utilized that um, are featured in the in the in the in the book or you know are certainly involved in some some key designs that we're we're working on or have worked on. So they receive copies, and then we have um, we we have some targeted list in our you know our target demographic marketplaces that have received um, copies and then you know through my my weekly publication of your four walls um it's been very interesting so um you know individuals receiving that which that's a that's a, a email list of about 3000 so what is your four walls yes your four walls was something i sort of dreamed up while i was sitting around um looking at our four walls during covid <laughs> so about a week in and it came up on I, I had um, we were having biweekly uh, team calls, team Zoom calls, and I said, "Oh, let me see what your four walls looks like." So you know, give me around your room for all the, you know for all of the for all of our employees, and um, it was just something that sort of then just that grew legs with with your four walls. Um, you know, what can we do, and what kind of positive message uh, could we deliver um, to you know everyone that we know essentially. Uh, during during this time, so I've done a couple of things on you know d- cooking different things and you know how to Easter happened you know shortly after this so um, Easter and Passover so we did a little segment on you know how to go ahead and make this a as as quote unquote normal as possible so you know I think we were all at that point in time um, sort of. Uh, I, I guess a little bit dazed and confused. Like, do you get dressed? Do you set the table? Do you just show up in, you know, sweats and shorts and pajamas all day? Uh, so it's like, you know, get dressed, set your table. You'll feel amazing. Um, get some fresh flowers delivered by ship or, you know, whoever Instacart. 
um, make a little arrangement. Here's how to do it. Um, you know, make make something special. Get it. You know, have a Zoom. Set up a Zoom call at, with with all of your family members and let each person make a favorite dish that you would normally share together over the holiday. Um, so it was just really well received. Before this, these were all videos, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So were you comfortable with video before you um, started this? Like, had you done a bunch or was this no. like, I'm just going to do it? I had never done. Um, so, and you know, I was like, set my phone out on, you should see, you've seen, I taped my phone to the back of a chair <laughs> and it's like, here we go. Uh-huh. Oh, I love <laughs> so, it. Um, yeah. So, it was, you know, not the, you know, they're not the most comfortable videos because I've never, you know, I've never like practiced being in front of, of a camera before. Um, the bias says, you know, I think by the one that you saw with the kids, I mean, it's a lot more comfortable and, um, it was fun. I had so much fun making the videos. You mentioned your publicist that, that sent out, um, books. And I just, um, wanted to ask you, when did you know in your career that it was time to hire a publicist? Because I'm thinking on your team, your full-time employees, you don't have somebody who's, do you have a, a marketing publicity person on your team or no? I have, yes, I have an individual who has, um, she comes from a marketing background, um, not, she, she, she was never in the interior design or architectural space, mm-hmm. um, but she has, you know, she has good instincts. Um, she had retired, uh, well, taken time off, I should say, more than retired um, to raise her, her children. And then um, she was actually a client of mine. I, I did her house. Um, it was featured in, in, the, um, in the brand book that you have. And when we were working on it together, she said, you know, I'm going to work for you. And I was like, great, because I love you. We get along mm-hmm. with everything. So I was like, I have no idea what you're going to do, but, you know, come hang out. So she started hanging out at the office and um, initially started, you know, shadowing me on some photo shoots. And then started to understand, you know, like what we were having to provide, you know, because we were getting regular editorial requests from our regional publications. And um, so she got more engaged with that and then, you know, tried to take, tried to help. She she wasn't really um, from the social media era. So she, you know, tried to do as much as she could with understanding our, you know, Facebook postings and Instagram postings. But we just, we just knew that that wasn't, you know, neither one of us had a very good knowledge base on that. So a, a couple of things we, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say that I want to be like my designing and being creative is, is in my blood. It's innate. I have no idea where some of my visions come from. Like I just wake up with them and like these cabinetry designs are artistic in nature. And, um, I didn't, again, I didn't decide, Oh, I want to, I want to have a new revenue stream and become a cabinet designer. I became, I I'm designing cabinets because there was, there, there were no profiles that existed anywhere to meet the looks that I wanted to achieve. And the same thing with some of my furniture. Um, so the, all these inspirations that, that I'm able to meld and blend and look, I want to be, I want to be nationally um, recognized and not Mm -hmm. recognized from a, um, like uh, not recognized from, oh, he did that. And, you know, iconic that way. I, I believe that there's so much creativity that I have that I need a bigger platform. So in order to get to 
the amazing boutique hotel and you know fabulous restaurants to design that's only going to happen if somehow some way my name gets out on a national scale mm-hmm. um and and so that's when i decided look this is the direction that i want to go i don't just i don't want to have a 50 person design firm you know to just grow my revenue um if we get bigger it's because we have these amazing creative projects to to work on um but that's that's when i decided so i knew i i i hired the firm last year cuz i i really felt like we um internally had developed the processes the procedures and um and and the knowledge that like i i I completely with confidence think that, you know, you could bring me any scale of project and I know how to dissect it and to, you know, to, to work on it. Um, Whether or not it's the right project for us, you know, would be another story. But if, if there was a, you know, a, a, a massive resort or a, you know, a large or a boutique hotel or a large scale restaurant um, or, you know, a 20,000 square foot house, um, or you know a a three thousand square foot penthouse that that needs to be done you know the the, the most bizarre finishes um, or a you know a celebrity I know today that we can we can create a design that is comparable with any designers you know in in the world I didn't believe that until last year so it took it took a lot of work um, tweaking my team getting the right mix of if team members here, um, having the right mix of suppliers and vendors and partners, um, and then, you know, trying, you know, trying different things out and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Um, and so I, you know, at the end of 2019, um, I, I felt like we had hit that, that point. And so, you know, we, we, we said, Hey, look, the, the projects that we're finishing in 2020, um, are really my unique design. So a lot of the projects that we'll be photographing over the next six to nine months, um, they have my product in them, my furniture designs. Um, you know, we're not, we use something called, you know, is the, is the home curated or is the room curated or is it created? Um, and nothing against curating, but, you know, are we sourcing other people's designs and customizing them, you know, with, you know, with our color choices or fabric choices or, am I sitting there? Am I drawing the shape? Am I drawing this particular? And so, you know, what we're getting ready to put out there in 2020 and 2021, they're my designs. They're, you know, they, they're largely incorporated with, um, furnishings pieces and cabinetry pieces and case goods pieces that, that we've actually designed and manufactured. Um, and I I think that really is, that's a whole new level of interior design when you're when you're kind of moving from the sourcing um and and specifying mode into the i have a vision for this room and it there's a a, a unique style and emotion that i want to invoke and i'm going to draw it all from my imagination right right have you found great fabricators locally or within state or are you going all over no, we're all over. I, I have things made in California, New York. Um, Anything uh, in North Carolina? I have, yes. We have um, a couple of things made in North Carolina. I, I would like to um, pursue that a little bit further, um, but we 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 haven't quite broken into, um, I think, the right mix of 
of smaller scale custom production in North Carolina yet. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. This has been really great. And it's been a pleasure to meet you for the first time, our first date. Um, yeah. Did you have a good time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How was it for was, you, Dwayne? This was great for me, um, Jane. So next time, do I get to ask you any questions? You can ask me something anytime. <laughs> that is, I, I always feel like sometimes during these interviews, it's, it's so one-sided. Um, so what is your, what is your favorite element of, of the interior design world? If you can name one. Well, when you say element, I'm just going to have to say the people. I mean, it's, it is the people because, um, that's what keeps me here. Were you always exposed to the industry of interior design or when did you, I mean, cause you, you obviously have a degree, you know, in, in design and went to, to Parsons, um, but when did you discover that there was this whole whole industry of of design available to you? Well, first I worked for Country Living magazine. So when I started at Country Living, I you know I did study interior design at Parsons, but I never worked formally for an interior designer. I tried. I, I sent out like maybe three resumes or five resumes at one point in time and had one interview, and I never. I think it scared me, and so I just was like, well, I think. I'm really drawn to magazines and telling stories. So Country Living was my first time going to the markets and really kind of getting acquainted with the furniture industry. But I really got deep, went deep into design when I started working in technology. And I was uh, the communications director for an app that never really flourished, but it put me back speaking with designers. So I just kind of got... I got close to several and just got deeper and deeper and deeper. Do you go to KBiz every year? Yeah. So go to KBiz. Um, go to KBiz. I go to High Point. Um, I can only go to High Point once a year now. I just don't have the time to do spring and fall. Um, and both both markets, and this may this is probably going to sound... I don't know how it's going to sound, so I'm, I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm always a little bit let down at the similarities between design houses. Because um, and, and I'm always looking for something unique and um, a different presentation. And they're out there. They're definitely out there. Um, and I've, and I've, I've certainly seen my fair share. Um, Sometimes, though, it's like this is such a big, big, big business that um, it feels like, you know, there is less willingness to take some risk sometimes. And, you know, as a, you know, what I would consider, I mean, I'm I'm not even an up and coming. We're we're not even known out there yet. But I, I wish someone would would say, OK, yeah, you know, th- th- there there's an opportunity we should just take a little bit of a risk um, and put something out there that, that, that is a little bit different. And let's see, you know, let's see how the market reacts to it. Um, Because, you know, we walk through, you know, major showroom after major, major showroom. And um, there, I, you know, I'll walk away with a handful of things after spending a week there that, I, I feel truly were either in presentation or in the creation were um, it's the first time I've seen or, you know, and, and, and I get that, you know, there, 
there are frames and materials that need to be re you know presented you know every year every year every year um but uh i don't know i mean even if even if there was like an emerging like an emerging market um space where even the big companies instead of showing it in their showrooms say okay we're going to spend a little bit of money we're going to put this all out there so it'd be one place right. point where you could where everybody would say okay we know this isn't part of our line yet but we just want to see how people react to it sort of like and I, I don't go to the european shows but i i look at them online kind of like what they do in europe which is push the envelope on design and and have um more experimental areas sort of exactly exhibitions mm -hmm. exactly yeah well maybe maybe that will happen um you know i know you're designing furniture uh, your own designs, but um, do you do you think? Oh, wouldn't it be fun to to work with a company and really push their boundaries? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't want to manufacture and have to promote these, but it just seems like unless you have you know five hundred thousand Instagram followers and you know some sort of media following. Um, it's very difficult to attract a a brand, um, you know, to get behind you. So we're kind of going the other way. We're going to say, okay, here are our pieces and they're really unique and they're really different. Um, and we've already tested them out. Part of the reason for hiring a publicist is to create a little bit more um, awareness. Um, and that seems to be the requirement in this industry to be able to really express yourself. We were originally proposed with a six month um, contract and I don't know if that's an industry norm or not. And, you know, my take is we're not going to accomplish anything in six months. I mean, exactly. if, if I'm not looking at this as a five-year relationship, then there's no reason for me to, to be involved. So, I mean, at a minimum, we, I, I want you to commit to me for a year because I don't want in six months, I don't want you to, to think, okay, how, am I getting, is this revenue coming in for the next six months or do I need to go out and start marketing myself, you know, to fill this revenue spot? Um, because I, you know, I want you to be working for me and to, you know, to believe in me. And it takes you know, a while to build that relationship for goodness sakes. Right. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you know, so the, I, I don't think anything happens overnight. I mean, I, I, I sometimes feel like, I mean, seven years feels like overnight to me. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like we've been doing this for seven years, but in the scheme of, you know, most people's careers, I mean, seven years is a pretty short, you know, it's a pretty short time, time frame, including, you know, we had twins in the middle of all of that. So it's about a year in there where, um, Wow. I, my, my, <laughs> my days and nights were truly mixed up. Um, so, but you know, seven, you know, seven years and, um, we're at this point, I mean, what, what can the next seven bring? Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a worthy investment to have my, my plan was get to the point where there is the confidence and the, um, the ability to to tackle anything that could be presented to us and um at that juncture then do everything in my power 
you know, to try to take advantage of, of what's available in this industry. So, you know, and a big part of that, like you're talking about is visibility. So, you know, I, that's what, for me, like the next three years, um, specifically, um, you know, to get to 2023, you know, 2024, 2025, I mean, but, but I would say by 2025, if we haven't, um, if we haven't made some sort of national impression, then I may re, you know, refocus and just say, okay, it's time to build, you know, just, you know, to build this extremely regionally focused um, uh, business. business but right. I, I, but I just don't, I, my, my clients are already taking me, you know, to New York, um, to New Orleans, to Indiana, to Toronto, Canada, um, to Michigan, um, to South America. It's like, okay, we're already in all of these locations. I just can't imagine again, you know, fast forward another seven years, what, what's happened, you know, the first seven years, if we just build on that 20%, um, over the next, instead of like year over year doubling, I mean, if we just have 20% growth or, um, saturation, it'll be, it, it, it'll be fantastic. So it's very exciting. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, so I was asking about, you know, this, this career, I love the people as well. I, 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 I love, um, I love the team members that I get to work with. I, um, I'm on a couple of calls every, every Friday with, um, some colleagues of mine where we're all comfortable, you know, discussing and sharing, you know, things about, you know, about, our, our business practices and you know, things that we could help each other, you know, be, be more efficient at and also not give away our, our services in this marketplace. Um, so I think there's some camaraderie that can be, that can be built. And then I also think this industry, um, you know, what we do for our clients, they're really appreciative and you know, we're making their lives so much more, um, interesting and their lifestyles so much more fun. Um, and I always like to have a little bit of fantastical, you know, uh, just sprinkled in a little bit there so we can find out what some of their fantasies are and, and try to deliver on those. Um, but yeah, it's just an, it's an amazing career. And I, I, I just don't think I'll ever lose my light for, um, you know, for the, the different areas of this, of this industry. Thanks so much for listening to Said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.